I'm Michael Beck, the host of the Mike the Mike podcast. If you've been following along with me, it's great to have you back here again. And if you're listening in for the first time, welcome. This is a place to talk about the arts as well as personal well-being. Sometimes I'll talk more about art, while other times I'll talk more about mental and physical health. But regardless of the topic, I hope to encourage greater openness and understanding as I seek to better understand myself and the things and people around me. That was a preview of the song Opposition by friend and local artist Wyatt Baldwin. I was fortunate enough to be able to sit down with him and talk about his upcoming album, The Rhythm of Our Tides, and to discuss the local music scene, playing live for the first time, and striking a balance between performing for others and creating for yourself. And I have the great privilege of sharing our discussion, as well as samples of songs from his upcoming release. I give Wyatt an opportunity to introduce himself in a moment, but I just wanted to say maybe it's due in part to Wyatt's background in uh, percussion as we discuss, uh, but Wyatt is a super cool guy. I wish I had some better descriptors than that, but it's the truth. It's clear from talking with him that he's a seasoned performer who truly has a love of the art of performance and the communal aspect of live performances. So I believe you're in for a real treat. But yeah, just uh, starting out, if we could, why if you just in introduce yourself for the fine folks listening? Hello, folks. I'm Wyatt Baldwin. I'm a singer-songwriter, a local performer to Williamsburg and surrounding areas. Yeah, and that's that's what I do. Mostly. Yeah. And then for about how long would you say you've been performing music live? I'd say I think I'm on my sixth year. Nice. Um, I started when I was 17 like in high school. And uh, yeah, I've just been doing it as much as I can since then. Yeah. And then can you recall the first time that you like played an original song in front of an audience? Oh, yeah. And so I, what, was, what was that experience like? Um, well, I, I went to Aroma's open mic, just like a little coffee shop. And mm -hmm. I had been practicing for like a month, like the same three or four songs. And I was just like trying to get over that hump of like performing in front of people. Mm -hmm. And I, I told people that I was going to do it. And they're like, oh, no. It's like that was almost the response of like kind of not like discouraging me to do it, but like a little scared for me. I was like, I, I guess I could get over that, though. It's like I'm not that scared. Mm -hmm. And um, I played. I played for a group. I also had a gimmick. I had a stomp box that I would do like. Uh, like beats with my feet basically okay. like some yeah. folky blues stuff and it was mostly blues sort of stuff and I did that and people really loved it and I just caught the bug I was like oh applause attention yeah that's what I want <laughs> oh, that's awesome no no but I uh, yeah I just enjoyed really working on something and and expressing myself and I was like I want to do this every week and I did that open mic for a couple of months and I started, I picked up my first gig from, from just doing that. And yeah, 
that led me deeper and deeper into like learning more material and mm-hmm. and fleshing it out. Was it someone who was like in the audience that like heard you like, oh, you know, play my gig or how did that first gig come about? I don't remember how the first one came about. I a lot of it did come through word of mouth. Like a lot of my early ones were like they did because I was so young. I was like 17 and I I had such a baby face and I was doing this like multitask like stomp box like blue like um like kick drum and tambourine with it that that I guess it got around town and they started having me at like craft festivals and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I think my first, my first full three hour gig was at uh daddy O's tavern, like out in Toano. And I don't remember how I got that one, but I remember getting that one. I was like, so do you guys have like microphones and stuff? And they're like, no, mm. I was like, okay, I guess I have to buy everything for this and yeah, get into it. But it was worth it. And then I know I don't have to like ask if you like have any like favorite artists or, you know, bands that have, like influenced you. I'm sure you do, you know, naturally. Yeah, um, I don't but have were any there favorites? Yeah. But were there any bands or artists in particular that you uh, felt that like when you listened to them, like they just like hit differently and, and, you know, some way inspired you to like write or, you know, write songs in the particular way that you do? Yeah. I really liked rock bands and stuff growing up and, a lot of different stuff but the one that really hit me like around the time I was thinking about playing guitar was the White Stripes mm-hmm. just I didn't know it was like simple music like simple song structures I just thought it was like it's I don't know it's just like what what I didn't even know I wanted out of music mm-hmm. that these other bands that I liked just didn't have there was like a very very strong performance element to it and like very theatrical but and, and the grit to it but just also good good songs and good storytelling it was just kind of like a complete package for me and it really made me want to learn guitar and do that yeah i think the performance element of it really really hit me i was like oh i've this is what like you think of when you think of a rock show, but you like rarely see. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I was like, I, I want to put on a show like that. I want people to be um, entertained and feel like they're a part of the show. Yeah. Is that, have you actually seen them live before? No, they, they were like breaking up like right as I got into them. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've seen Jack White play solo twice. Mm-hmm. And those were great shows. Um, yeah, I still, his live shows are like the gold standard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just like off the cuff, like improvising, no set list. Um, there was a lot of things that I tried to like mimic and like straight off, straight up like copy sometimes mm-hmm. when I was like really young. And now I've, now I've kind of find like my own way of doing things now that I've done it and failed and mm-hmm. succeeded in different ways so i find what works for me like i used to not do a set list for a while and then yeah and then i would get up there it's it's different though because i play like three hours at a bar or something like that right. and it's 
now I now I write down my set list and then play around with it while mm-hmm. I'm up there. But I'm I don't get into that point where I'm like, do I know songs? Mm-hmm. Like two hours and a half. I'm like, I don't I don't think I know any more songs. <laughs> yeah, but I do. I just can't exactly. think of them. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've uh, been to one time you played and yeah, I saw your little little paper sheet of your your list. Yeah, I'm trying to get away from like just staring down at it uh towards the end of every song i'm just thinking what's next what's next mm-hmm. well, it's, it's good to hear figure out like what works for you and i feel like a lot of what kind of becoming like your own like artist and like developing your own style is just like initially like shooting for like what someone else is doing but then be like i can't do that so i'm gonna <laughs> do my thing instead yeah yeah you can you can burn yourself out trying to like be too much like your heroes or I was talking to this with my friend Elijah about how um we he asked me is like do you ever get that feeling when like you write something or do something they're like what would my like favorite artist think of this mm. like I wonder what they would say if they heard it or something like that and I was like I do relate to that yeah always Cause I don't know, you admire like, like an artist or somebody that puts a lot of effort or like is very particular about how they do right. things. So they, yeah. I don't know. You could probably psychoanalyze that, and come up with some interesting things. Yeah, no, no. I definitely see the temptation, temptation in that. I think I've not done that too much, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> i just yeah i don't know i feel like there's that's dangerous <laughs> like yeah because i feel like that's almost like yeah because like you put them like on a pedestal and like set it so high and like you're not actually getting that interaction with them you don't actually know what they think so you're just kind of like in your mind be like would they approve and it's like how do you <laughs> yeah yeah how do you yeah i think what's uh, i've looked at like people's earlier parts of their career and realized like oh they're not developed yet like it's still them and they're really good but it's not quite there yet so it's like it's kind of fun to just see what comes out of me and and i'm not so controlling over what it is yeah i think a lot of people stop themselves from creating anything by just um being too critical of it before it's even done definitely i still have a problem with being like really critical with it when it's done Mm -hmm. or i finish something i'm like okay i don't like the last thing i did that much anymore yeah but it's you have to get used to it and like realize that every every like work that you do is just the best thing you did at that time exactly um yeah and it's like it's kind of like looking at an old photo, be like, "Oh, that was a bad photo," or like, mm-hmm. you know, you're just really critical of yourself sometimes, or I am at least. But yeah, but yeah, I've gotten much healthier with how I how I like reflect on what I used to do, and I was like, "Oh, I can see, I remember why I did that, why it related," mm-hmm. and you just like hope that someone's in that space and mm-hmm. you know someone's going to be where you were like three years ago right mm-hmm. you know like i'm sure like gerard ways like not feeling the way he did when he did my chemical romance but there's still right going to be, be people that come along and 
have that angst. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no, I, I, that, that's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, like because when we write it, we're definitely in a very particular like headspace, and like hopefully we're gonna like grow and like not necessarily be there. Um, but yeah, exactly. There will be people who like are there, and so that's you know even if like the music doesn't feel like it's like for us, then it's like st- still you know available for them. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good to make for the audience. I think. It's like a, it's like a balance of like writing for yourself and writing for an audience. It's something I've learned a lot and I've leaned too much into writing for four people instead of mm-hmm. like writing for myself, but I think it's really impossible to do it purely for yourself because it is like a performative like art sure. form. Sure. And uh I do want people to be included and and be aware of how it makes you feel when mm-hmm. it comes comes out of the speakers. Yeah, it's definitely something that I sort of deal with, like with any of the art that I do, is like wanting to be like authentic, and so like, like in in doing so, like not seeing the thing as like a product, but it's like anything that you do, that you're putting out there is is like, like you could say like is a sort of like product, and you know has that performance. So yeah, it's like really hard to, like you said, to be like. To like completely believe, oh yeah, like I'm totally doing this for for my you know for myself. Otherwise, like if it was totally for yourself, then like you wouldn't need to share it at all. No one would hear it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I tell yeah, it's you can't lose sight of like why you're doing it. Like ultimately, the end goal is to put it out there, and hopefully, yeah. someone wants to see it. Like, and like I'll I'll have like debates with like other like songwriters that I know about like well why wouldn't you want your stuff to like go platinum like mm-hmm. even if it is like a little like folk song you did in your in your bedroom like you know I I don't want want us to act like we don't want as many people as we can to hear it and yeah. relate to it and like some people will not like it and. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to write stuff that everyone will like and no one will no one will have a problem with. Right. Um, I just, you know, I just want anyone who will like it to hear it. So mm-hmm. comes here comes all like the the other stuff you think about, like marketing and right. and like social media and stuff like that, which everyone tries to figure out a little bit. Yeah. That's what I was thinking in like regards to like authenticity is like I'm totally fine, like making this stuff, putting it out there. But then when it comes to actually, you know, taking more effort to like try to get it to like reach people, then that can require more efforts into, you know, social media and marketing, all those things. And I feel like that can really, I feel like at least for me, can like really drain from the experience and like the fun of just like creating the thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause all that stuff after you've recorded and written the song takes a lot of time and everyone I know that's like recorded an album with like a a team Mm -hmm. like usually just like an engineer or somebody that knows how to record and mix by the time they're like done like before it's even released like they feel tired of the song because it's just exhausting Mm -hmm. like listening to it and thinking of ideas to get it out and I've definitely done that but I think I think it's just repetition. Like I learn something new every time I go through that process. Right. With a band or by myself. 
trying to find what people will connect with and you usually start off with like an idea of what people will like about it and it's like totally wrong yeah and the the more and more i do it it's like oh it's just the more it it gets closer and closer to like my the original like genesis of the idea of like what i felt about it and and what i thought was good about it usually ends up being like the strongest thing about it and the thing that you should just push and tell people about mhm so it i don't know i a lot of people get scared away by like trying to like make it a business or something like that or just trying to get it out cuz it it always comes back to authenticity like being authentic to yourself it's like i'm a performer i want to perform mm-hmm. for people yeah and to do that you got to tell people about it right doesn't i don't know there's i guess in a lot of like indie and alternative genres there's like a sellout um sort of like mentality of like not trying 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 to it's not cool to be so capitalistic or anything mm-hmm. like that yeah that's what i'm trying i'm trying to be cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i'd see and then um yeah something that i was kind of amazed by uh when i started going to the open mics on wednesdays and and meeting people there has just been the the like interconnected network you know this community of local performing artists it's like right under my nose, uh, nose that I wasn't even aware of. Um, and I just got this sense that, uh, you know, everyone knows, you know, each other and is connected in some way, um, which I think is pretty cool. And I also, I imagine there's been a quite, uh, you know, a bit of like history, like the local performing, you know, um, uh, seen over the years as, you know, things have changed and people have come and go. Um, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I, I thought of the history after talking um, with our mutual friend, Austin, um, who shared with me you know, about hosting his um, open mic. And I think you maybe touched on this a little bit already, but um, um, yeah, before we get into that, I was just wondering, uh, you know, what your experience has been performing locally and, you know, if you could share sort of like what, uh, you know, the history has been like the local scene, like through your experience. Yeah, like... Williamsburg particularly is like it's a touristy town but it's among the townies and musicians it's it is very much a small town vibe of if you if you enter the music scene around here which is like you don't have to dig very far to find it yeah you could just be at a bar or a restaurant somewhere and find someone playing and Mm. or find an open mic and you're in it you're like you're in the sphere of people like just circling around this area yeah we all play the same spots we go to each other's shows and uh you know i could go to nadia's show and see like another musician that doesn't have a show that night and we could talk and Mm -hmm. do that and you know we've had like uh you know cookouts and like dinners and stuff like that too where we hang out outside of that I mean, like the Williamsburg music scene coming out of high school was basically like my my circle of people. Like mm-hmm. that was my tribe that I fell into. Um, and like Austin hosted in Newport News, and 
that was also another area where you had another group of people and Williamsburg and Newport News kind of mingled. It's pretty close. Yeah. So it's 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 a very unique scene because I feel like in like bigger cities and other areas like there might be a more artistic or or like show show sort of thing where you have like a venue and you'd have some bands play mm-hmm. and bands kind of stick to themselves a little bit and they have kind of their group around them. Really? But I don't know. I don't know too much about it. I mean, I played in Richmond and other, other bigger areas, some, but, but yeah, you will know like people from Williamsburg, like know people from Virginia beach and they'll play each mm-hmm. other's hometowns and yeah mingle a lot and i don't see that uh anywhere else really other than like musicians and like maybe realtors or people that drive all over the place yeah um so yeah dropping into the music scene here is that you wouldn't expect it's here but when you find it you find it it's very interesting it's got its like little frustrations and yeah uh, like little small town things, but it is much bigger than people would expect. And yeah, you, know, you do get connected to a lot of people that know each other and mm-hmm. like, you know, look out for each other and care about each other. And uh, I think the best thing about it is people just want each other to succeed because yeah. it, it means good things for the rest of us to mm-hmm. see our friends like do well. And it kind of inspires the other people to, to follow suit and you know work on their thing see that there's ways to progress and and move move along with it definitely yeah i'd say it's definitely bigger than i anticipated just uh through like uh even before i started performing was just trying to just connect with other like musicians like through like instagram and so i just started like following people and you know some were kind enough to like follow me back and connect with me like yourself and, um, but yeah, then like I went to the open bike and I started like meeting people and it's like, oh, I've connected with you on your Instagram already. You know, you're like in Newport news. Oh, you're in like Chesapeake, but you all like seem to know each other. It's like, yeah. 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 And I've, since I've started hosting the open mic, I thought I knew everybody that like did this sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, or most of the people already and people are showing up and I'm like, I don't know how you found out about this, but this is awesome. You're like really good. Yeah. And you're really cool and it's very rare that I that I I had this plan for the open mic of being like something different in the area of being like a very creative crowd and a very inclusive crowd where like you could do anything you want and yeah and it wouldn't be like jamming where like people would get too scared to get up there I wanted I wanted people that do it all the time to do it right next to people doing it for their first time. Mm-hmm. And I found that the community came out for it and created exactly that. I was like, wow, like you don't ever plan events like that and have them go the way you want them to. So that's, it's been really satisfying hosting that. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you feel like, how did your experiences with like, past open bikes how do you feel like that maybe informed how you wanted to go about doing yours 
Um, well, I, I used to host one at a record store. Oh, did you? Yeah, it was hard to host it at a record store. Like, I love that place. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, the old retro daddy Yeah. One. Um, I love that place. Me I too. Used, I used to watch it on weekends when the when the owner was away. And yeah, I don't know if you recall. That's how I, like I first saw you. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yep. You were at at the open mic. Not the open mic, but I like come into the store and just like check out the records. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you we, probably were like playing your guitar at one point or another. I was like, oh, oh, cool. Yeah. I have the chair that I used to sit in and practice guitar when no one was in the store. Really? Uh, yeah. It was the only one without armrests. So when, when the place closed down, Jen was like, do you, you know, do you want any souvenirs or anything? Mm-hmm. I was like, what are you doing with that chair? Yeah. That's really cool. And uh, yeah. Yeah. That was cool. You came in there. I, there was a lot of cool people in there. I loved, I loved watching that shop because you just, see what records people buy and ask mm-hmm. them about it. And yeah. I, I read comics and everything. People would buy comics and Star Trek stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I, I hosted an open mic there because the owner loved music and mm-hmm. wanted to build a community around it. But it, it's really hard to get people out at night with no, no food or drink. Right. You know, at a retail store after hours. So it was, yeah, <laughs> it was a little sketch like that, but yeah. It was it was comfy. People felt comfortable there if if they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one where I tried to mimic some of the other open mics where there would be like a full drum set and and people would be jamming and you know like someone would come up and sing and there would already be like three people on stage. Oh yeah. And uh, I I like those, but like they're kind of con- restrictive. Um, there'll be like weeks when I show up to an open mic like that. And a part of me just like wants to be like, okay, I, I kind of want it to myself so I can kind of, um, do this thing because like we write, we write like, I don't know, very like specific songs and like very intentional songs. They're not really songs that you know, a four piece band can like just pick up and start playing, right? Playing to it's not kind of the Chicago blues 12 bar or like a reggae mm-hmm. groove that people can fall into easily. So I wanted, so I wanted this one to be like no jamming, like, yeah, like, uh, I'm not gonna have anyone up there when you get up there unless you've talked to them before and you guys had planned out what you're doing. I think it. I think that serves the audience too. Cause like sometimes a lot of the jamming at open mics just won't work. Right. And it'll, it'll be like some extra noise. So mm-hmm. I wanted people to have their time to themselves. Right. And feel like their time was respected and, and they're in control of their time slot. Yeah. So I quickly, I also hosted the Aromas open mic when the, when Did the you? other, uh, well, I hosted once for Austin and Newport mm-hmm. News. Then the Williamsburg one would have the, um, the host would travel a lot. So I would okay. host when he was gone. Yeah. And people said they liked, like the best feedback was people said they liked my hands off approach to it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I just kept it moving. And yeah, you really just, kind of 
doing a service like you're just doing you're just serving the musicians and serving the room yeah making sure it doesn't go weird Mm -hmm. and making sure people are comfortable and have everything they need to the best the best you can provide Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, i definitely feel like you do a great job with that and uh, do you feel like that's uh some of that's come from experience (laughs) getting better at that or Oh like yeah, pretty naturally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Those six years made a big difference. If I had done it mm. with without those six years, it would have lasted two weeks. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you said like about like six years of like performing, but I mean, as far as like the times you actually like um, hosted yourself, like did uh, that? Uh, you know, I'm sure that probably helped you to like feel more comfortable with like hosting right yeah and and nadia had also hosted um open mics as well and obviously like we're not doing them anymore either the business businesses shut down or they just weren't working out Mm -hmm. or they were too much work because we were doing them solo and we were like okay we know for open mic you need someone doing sound and we need to be like alternating Cause we can't be talking to everybody and we can't right. be like running the music at the same time. So doing it as a duo really makes it run smoother and it's just mm-hmm. easier and more fun. And when we, we got together, like it was out of the things me and Nadia have done together. It's like the thing we've had the most planning for, like we got together mm-hmm. three or four times before the first event making yeah. flyers or, we're just talking about what we wanted, yeah, wanted it to be like. And so we were very intentional about how we wanted it. And it very much came from uh, what we did wrong in the last mm. ones. Yeah. And we knew we had to do it right from the beginning or else, or else you'll have like weekly rituals that will just be really hard to break if they're not what you want. Mm-hmm. So that, that helped a lot. Yeah. Awesome. You answered a lot of my questions already, but uh, how did you meet Nadia? Do you um, remember? I think that was another Aromas meet. Yeah. I think you kind of... Yeah. Aromas used to be the spot in town. Shout out like. to Aromas. Yeah. The one like in... you talking about um, in town or the one in like Newport News? Um, or both? Yeah, I met her at the one in Williamsburg, but yeah, yeah. I used to go to both. Um, they had different vibes, like really different vibes and and they they've both changed a lot over the years and uh the one in newport news i think is closed and that's what i heard not doing music right now um but yeah it was actually funny the the host of the williamsburg aromas open mic that used to do it moved away and he was at open mic i think two two weeks ago yeah and he just showed up and played i was like dang man I've been playing. I would show up and play at your open mic all the time, and now mm-hmm. you're coming out of state, and you showed up. And that was really cool. That. Yeah, that was the one. I think it was when he was hosting. Uh, I met Nadia. She had just started performing there, and and we just had a very similar taste in music and style, mm-hmm. and so we just naturally started playing yeah, and writing songs together, and we we worked we worked really hard on like four or five original songs and 
we just kind of whenever we were at an open mic we would just play those together mm-hmm. and uh, we never really planned on playing gigs or recording an album or anything we talked about it but uh that was just fun we're like oh we're just collaborating and writing songs together yeah just just working working the creative muscles <laughs> no that's very cool yeah, i love the dynamic and i love that you thought to do a duo it seems like it's an outside field it seems like that works really well it makes a lot of sense to have at least two people yeah because that was Nadia's idea. Oh, was she, it? She really got the gig and then asked me to do it. Okay. And I was like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> I was, it was coming out of the pandemic. So I was like, are people going to come to an open mic anymore? Um, and I also knew it was a lot of work to have a weekly thing. And yeah. Be committed to that Wednesday every week. Um, but what we really found was like, there was kind of a vacuum, like the community had, since we are kind of like a like a music family yeah and uh like this the past pandemic is has been like rough for for like very very social people who play music and hang out right and so just having a place where i i think we really talked about it that way and it it was still like right as the vaccine was rolling out we're like okay like I think we can be careful about this and mm-hmm. I think we need it. I think yeah. some of us are going to drop off if we don't get back to it. Yeah. So, yeah, it feels good. It feels good to have the community back. I know I feel like I have my life back mm-hmm. a little bit. It's, it sounds weird to say, but I've a lot of it revolves around um, playing music and socializing. Like, no, that's fair. Week or yeah. more yeah that's good i think for like me personally and some other people like maybe didn't like have that or like much of a social life before so yeah. that wasn't much change but yeah i mean <laughs> if i if i had this before i'd be like what's going on <laughs> yeah if i had a social life before i played my first open mic i i wouldn't be playing music because i didn't if i had a bunch of friends in high school i would have not been like playing hours mm. and hours of music in my room getting ready to perform right yeah that makes sense yeah. <laughs> when did you start writing songs i started writing songs and well I've, I've shared this a little bit on the podcast before but it was like in college i like needed to like write a like a short piece for like a video like art class and so like I wrote that like late, late at night. And that was like the first thing I was like, this doesn't suck. <laughs> um, I was pretty happy with it. And then, I don't know, just kind of kept on just like writing little things. Uh, just like in my, like the note app on my phone. And so, yeah, I just started just like, just like writing poems. And then eventually it was like, I want to do something more with this. Like I could play like the, like um like the box drum like the cajon like oh, that, yeah. that was it is like <laughs> i also want to have us like you know some really like uh like world you know stuff where it's just like vocals and percussion uh i was like i feel like i need something more so i just picked up uh uh just a guitar that like my family had and just started just like just you know just dabbling <laughs> <laughs> just, just dabbling um and then 
yeah, I just kind of over time, just, just dabbling, just, yeah, just kept on doing it. So, I mean, it's been like the actual like recording songs and putting them out, I'd say he's been about, about, uh, like three years. Yeah. That's cool. So like that thing you wrote in college was, was it with drums or guitar? Um, the thing I wrote in college was just for like a video I made and just had to have like, I can't remember exactly, but yeah, like one of the requirements is you had to have like a spoken piece, which is terrifying. Oh, so it was spoken word? <laughs> um, yeah, like spoken, I guess, yeah, just like spoken, you know, something like over the video. So not only did I have to like write the thing, but I actually had to use my voice. I was like, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> getting over that vocal scare at first is really tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting you started with like, with like some percussion because that's where I lean towards to really having, having a backbone. Yeah, and it was, I was in marching band and stuff like that That's for right, a little bit. That. Yeah, yeah. So like, I don't know, the tempo and rhythm really resonated with me mm-hmm. and music because before I got into like rock and folk music, I was like, uh, I guess kind of into metal and, and kind of into hip hop a little bit. Okay. Or I had a period where the, that was like all I was listening to for right. for a while. Yeah. So I think there's something that early on, like I I just enjoyed very rigid, like beats mm-hmm. or um yeah, percussion and and bass lines. Yeah, I feel like something about sort of the I don't know primal like nature of like drums like just made the most sense to me like playing my first instrument. Um, I like picked up like a drum set like in high school uh to play with like uh my friends play some metal <laughs> yeah uh, that didn't last long but um <laughs> but hey got me the drum set got me playing music um but yeah I like like anything else with like notes and chords i was like that that makes no sense <laughs> to me like i just want to hit stuff and you know in time <laughs> that yeah. sounds good to me yeah yeah i think it's like when i started playing guitar like a lot of blues riffs were what I leaned towards. There were easy, easy ways to get into kind of like chord progressions, just learning 12 bar blues and stuff. But um, when I got to soloing, like I, I realized how percussive I, th- I thought about guitar. Yeah. And still a lot of my guitar playing is in my right hand, just, just muting strings and, and finding different rhythms to like Mm -hmm. to play like very basic stuff on the left hand too yeah and finding little little patterns to throw into like very basic stuff is really exciting to me yeah yeah i do feel like people who sort of lean towards like drums or have more of a i don't know percussive way about them does sort of change the way they think about like writing music i think yeah like i think any sort of yeah, like the, the instruments that you like lean to, you know, inform what other instrument you play rather. It's like, yeah, like if you're sort of start out and you kind of do drums and you like change to like guitar, you're playing guitar, but you're still like thinking about like drums and, you know, it could be the other way around and you still sort of be informed by sort of the like, you know, like original thing, whatever sort of, you know, you're drawn to that makes you tap your feet. Yeah, I find drummers are like the most fun to work with. 
like even if they're not playing drums if they're trying to do something else mm -hmm. they're just very collaborative they're like they're team players because right without a team they would just be like <laughs> bashing some it's symbols so in the room <laughs> it's so true yeah they're really they're really fun to work with usually really easy to work with and um very supportive people just by the nature of their of their craft right they need to make friends who will help them carry the drum set yeah <laughs> <laughs> would think drummers are like better friends with bassist because they're like in the rhythm section but mm -hmm. really the bassist usually has this like huge rig that they got to carry themselves so it's right so yeah it's usually the guitar player and the and the drummer like the guitar mm -hmm. player sets down all these like fancy little pedals or whatever and then they and then they help load some drums i don't know i don't know where i was going with that it's no not i can i can see it <laughs> But I was thinking I um the times when I did play with other people, like you said, it, it seems like the thought is that usually sort of like the bassist and the like drummer play together, but I've pretty much just like play with guitarists. So I feel like that probably, you know, informs my playing as well. You know, even if I am playing drums, like I'm not really thinking like I'm thinking in a different way, you know, than someone who's like more used to playing with a bass. So Yeah. Yeah, I think it's hard to find a bassist. And all mm -hmm. the bands I've been in with the bassist, it's usually the bassist is the guitar player that um owned a bass and mm -hmm. yep. And usually the bassist is like just a really skilled guitar player and right. there's like some other guys that just have guitars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's not completely true, but but yeah, yeah, you do get a lot of people that just hop over to bass. I enjoy playing some bass every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but I really have to like be spending weeks at a time like listening to music and really like listening to that th those parts to really get in that space to do it any justice. And I, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I do that much justice, but I can get by with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to say I feel bad even mentioning it because I know that. Uh, basis seem like underappreciated but it's definitely taken me some time to like have an ear for it and like be like listening in for it but like once i did it's like dang like gotta have some bass <laughs> you know like a like good bass especially in like certain types of music i find make like all the difference yeah and, and some genres you wouldn't even expect the, the bass to be so important but for a lot of stuff it carries the song like without that bass there, it would it wouldn't have that glue to it that that makes it what it is. Like I've noticed it a lot in singer songwriter, like alternative folk, I, I guess you could say, like some folk pop or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's the bass is playing like a big part 
of it. And I guess I've noticed that because I've been trying to like, that's where I'm finding a lot of my stuff falls into sort of that songwriting. Mm-hmm. So I've been leaning more towards like writing songs for songs that are meant to be recorded or played with a band. And um, I'll be recording them and being a guitar player, like I'll, I'll bury the guitar or not, not write too much for the guitar to play and just really focus on the, the backbone of it, which I, I just find is the drums and the, and the bass. Mm-hmm. And once that's there, I, f- I feel like that's 80% of the song to me. Mm-hmm. Like, of course the vocals, right. you know, I, I value highly as being up there as like being like the focus of the song. But as far as like the music goes, like the, the bass and drums for like most pop music or anything that's like not classical or traditional, Mm -hmm. I think it's just really, really important. Yeah. When in your performances, do you pretty much always play like with an instrument or you ever like gone up and play with a band and just do vocals? Um, I did that once. Well, I've never played a show like that. I think for a, for uh, up until recently, I, I played with uh, my band Bad Lemonade, mm-hmm. and um, there was a few recordings where I I didn't play any guitar on it, and when I would practice with the band, I wouldn't play any guitar. I had the guitar there, but I I would just sing it. Mm-hmm. and uh but that was because it was a four piece like everything else it was like a duo or a trio or like if i didn't play guitar it would just sound like primus or something yeah or yeah um but yeah i would not be opposed to that um it's funny when i started like guitar used to be like my focus i wanted to be um, entertaining as a guitarist and, yeah. and now it's now it's leaned much more to like being a songwriter and, mm-hmm. and vocalist and it's kind of nice to have that feedback sometimes people are like oh no I don't, I don't really see the guitar as your voice like your voice is is the the thing mm-hmm. yeah that, that's unique about it i'm like oh thank you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i've noticed with your art so your art's very intentional. And like when I listened to this podcast for the first time, I was like, whoa, like this, like a lot of people will start a podcast, but this seems like, like you're, you really commit to like whatever idea you do and it, and it really carries throughout the whole thing. Like it's not like so many people, including me will have an idea and do it like half cocked, not mm-hmm. ready, not prepared no real plan and it'll just be like, well, I'm not good at this anymore. And they'll do it once and, and do something else. But like, I'll notice you like doing like whole EPs and then following them up with other whole EPs and the photography with it is, I wouldn't say it's all like planned out, but it's, you're, you're very uh, meticulous about it. Mm. And you're also like very prolific because like I was like, oh wow, he's already has like twenty episodes, a couple EPs out, and he's posting photos up everywhere. It's like 
Um, yeah, what are you running away from? <laughs> no, just like, why do you have to create so much? Make me look bad. Oh, because I it's I'm just filling time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, for real. Yeah, it's like I, I've learned like the value of like keeping busy, but not like being busy for like busy sake, but like finding things that like are important to me, like I find are worth investing in. So that's where like. I find value in, you know, doing this podcast and like doing the music, like feels really fulfilling for me to like, to do it and like get to that like end point and be like, Oh, I've like, you know, having that like moment, like, especially like when I've like completed an album, for instance, like at least for like a day, there's that moment of like, hi, like, yes, I did it. <laughs> and it's like, okay. What next? But you know, yeah, it's really satisfying to, to complete something. That's why I'm like a big proponent of, of like uh quantity over quality quality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I feel like there is that satisfaction of getting something done. And I feel like the more that you do it, um, you know, you're, you're naturally going to grow over time. The more you do it and sure there's going to be stuff that's, you know, might be a little bit half baked or, you know, hopefully it's going to get better over time, but I feel like you can really stunt yourself by being like, Oh, like it has to be, it has to measure up, has to be this quality or else it's like, you know, not going to be done. Um, but yeah, it's like, just, just do it in a certain point, you know, like better to, to do something that's not good and do something than to, to not do anything at all. Yeah. I think that's a really healthy way to think about it. Yeah. And I agree with it a lot. I think a lot of people want to get good at it and then do the thing. Yeah. You have to do the thing to get good at it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, yeah, you're very prolific in that way of like, yeah, you just do want to get a lot out, especially when like you, you're like really new to songwriting. Like I used to just record in my bedroom all the time and mm -hmm. I've hidden that stuff away on a, on a hard drive somewhere and just like, it's 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 gone because i was so young and you just have yeah. to get something out and you just have to yeah. have to get comfortable with it and and learn how to do it um you said something really interesting i forgot what it was that's okay i was like i i totally agree i was about to say the same thing <laughs> but no I, I really appreciate the feedback that's good to hear and um no, I forget what I was gonna say. Um, <laughs> it's a shame that uh, uh, that you like read some stuff that you feel like you lost. That's oh no, no, it's not lost. I saved it. And oh, then, did you? Yeah, it's not easily accessible anymore. Uh, mm. It's it's in a closet somewhere, so it's saved for the future. But I don't want to be reminded of it too soon. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like not that it's bad or anything. Well, it. I guess technically it is bad, but debatable, subjective. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, I was just young and, and, uh, was trying to make trying to fi find what sticks. And so mm -hmm. it's like all the stuff that didn't stick. And I think it'll be good. Maybe like 20, 30 years from now, crack it open. It's like, Oh wow. Look, mm -hmm. 
I want it to get to the point where I don't remember it anymore and I can pull it up and it reminds me of it. But right now yeah. I remember it and I was like, all right, I don't need the reminder right now. I don't need yeah. this cringe. <laughs> I was going to ask you if it is, you know, it, how, how far you're sort of not disdain for it, but yeah. <laughs> As if it's actually like, like, Oh, it could be better if you're like, Oh no, like cringe. Yeah. 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 It was definitely cringe. And I think it was just, I was very experimental with songwriting and words mm-hmm. I love the medium of writing yeah, and um, like language. And so a lot of it was like a play with language and, and um, not really aware of like what my language was saying or um, mm. even though I thought I was saying one thing, but like now if I listen to it, I'm like, Oh God, so <laughs> exposed. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I'll save it away. It'll, it'll probably be a fun laugh one day. Yeah. Right now, no. it seems just a little too recent. I understand. And it, and it might make me a little too in my head about writing now. Yeah. So I like where I'm at with writing right now. I'm, I'm, I did like kind of an overcorrection of like very like for a while trying to like write stories and and characters and and like being very metaphorical, trying to like trying to take the listener somewhere true but like not too personal like mm-hmm. not not too me not yeah not like self-centered or um or uh you know i don't, I don't know if it was like trying to like it, <laughs> yeah i was talking to I told my therapist about that one time that I was like, Oh yeah, I write very metaphorical and, um, and like story driven. And she's like, Oh, why can't you let people in or something like that? Yeah. You know, a therapist will talk much, much better than that. It's like, Hey, why don't you just let me? Yeah. (laughs) No, but like, uh, and I was thinking about it. I was like, I don't, I don't think it's me trying to exclude people. I think I'm still really letting people into a piece of it, but it's, it it didn't feel right to just say things like I felt like it had to be a craft, like it had to be mm-hmm. crafted and packaged and yeah, and uh, something to be deconstructed. And yeah. uh, I've leaned a little more now to like very earnest songwriting. Um, since I grew up listening to like a lot of like Johnny Cash and Willie yeah. Nelson and Hank Williams, like yeah. I was like, oh, I've always strayed away from like heartbreak songs and stuff because they've mm-hmm. been overdone or whatever. But right. like, but like then I'll listen to five hours of it. Right. I'm like, okay, so why do I think I'm too good to write something like this that's mm-hmm. you know personal and relatable? Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. So like, do you have a do you have any goals to get out of um like songwriting or anything because it didn't seem like you were like planning on doing any performing when i invited you no no performing at all no i i mean no i just been my thing is just you know writing it and putting it out and that's that's been it (laughs) um but i mean i you know as we sort of talked about there's like a desire to you know get this stuff out there but um yeah really my when you invited me, my incentive to go was just like, oh, this could be a good opportunity to, 
you know, meet some other musicians, you know. Um, but no, the actual performing thing is still. I'm like doing it. I'm still. I'm still like, what? What am I doing? <laughs> Why am I doing this? But I mean, it's it's cool. Um, I think I'm still kind of getting comfortable with it and figuring out kind of like what I'm doing with it. Um, but yeah, I know the the actual like performing live in front of people is like never like that's not been like an ambition of mine or even like you know i want to have like my small <laughs> circle of like people who like appreciate and like notice what i'm doing but like as far as actually like getting it more out there it's like yeah whatever you know yeah 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 i i, I respect that i respect the hermit the hermit musician <laughs> yeah. i like people that are just like i don't know why i'm doing it i'm just doing it and that's a good place to be you don't want to be at the place where like i need to do this like mm -hmm. like i i need to do this to get something out of it yeah um, there are like healthy versions of that but i think um just doing it and and um and seeing what follows is good. And sometimes like seeing what follows like can be proactive. You know, you can yeah. find ways to to push it along. Mm -hmm. It'll it'll just come to you. Man. I've just been feeling out and I've been surprised thus far. <laughs> like none of this has been like planned and stuff keeps on happening. So like, all right, we'll see where this goes. Yeah, I love that because like a lot when you get into performing music or any sort of performing arts, I think it's a lot of stuff does just start coming to you. Like I've put a lot of effort into like trying to book shows or um, get the music out there. And then I'll, then I'll do all this work. And then maybe I'll give up for a while and out of the blue, people like start booking me for shows. And I was like, Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I guess this just happens. You just stick to your thing, mm -hmm. keep doing what you do. Like, yeah, don't just be a musician, be an artist, and if you do it well, and uh, something will come to you. It's yeah. usually the best stuff. It's when people people offer things to you, free yeah. stuff. I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely feel the hermit thing. Like, there's a there's an artist that I've been a fan of for some time. Um, Jason Martin, he's in like his project is Starfly 59. And he's like, uh, you know, early on used to do a number of like performing, but at this point, like it's like rare if you ever see him perform. <laughs> it's like literally all he does is just like write albums and put it out there. And it's like, cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm there yet, but um, I mean, I guess I'm doing it already, but yeah, I mean, I can appreciate I can appreciate the performance. I think I'm getting there to appreciate even more, and I think I will. But at this point, yeah, it's still like I'm cool just writing in, you know, <laughs> like that being it. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I've gone through periods where I've I've, I've been the hermit, and yeah, it's usually when I am recording. Like this past three years, I've been like really getting back into recording and trying to like really figure it out to be somewhat professional about it and have somewhat studio quality at home. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've been like working on an album for three years, trying, trying to really like be thorough with every part of the process. And I've really learned every part from like 
performing for the mic and setting the mics up and right. and different miking techniques and different recording techniques, different um, playing with the order of like or the um, planning of a song because it's been recording drums and bass and guitar uh, by myself to them. So it's it's like I'll try one like guitar first, one drum first, or one. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll just do like a song three or four times, like starting it over until I've got like the solid bass and I'll build around it and going from there, researching, mixing and, mm-hmm. and talking to some other engineers about it. And the whole time, like it's, you know, just the community is like of other artists that I know is like, oh, you need to do some shows, man. Yeah. Like when, when's your next show? I'm like, it's almost done. I just need three more months. Yeah. It's like I'll be mixing for six more months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's still not done. <laughs> That's it's fair. very close to being done, though. Yeah. I have like two songs that I think are not done yet. And um, that'll just be sent off to be mastered. I think I have all the pennies saved up to get it mastered and and pressed. Yeah. Oh, you're going to get it pressed? Yeah. Yeah, I like having well not vinyl, maybe vinyl, but yeah. um I I have thought about doing like maybe a single on vinyl and uh yeah. I found my my friend of mine got some vinyl pressed and showed me a place online that does it for, you know, what's somewhat affordable and I was like this might be worth it mm-hmm. to do some vinyl. I hope no one hears that though and like demands vinyl <laughs> right because <laughs> i'm on the fence about it maybe vinyl yeah request it if you want vinyl but uh yeah it would it'll probably only take like two people requesting vinyl and be like all right well i'm ordering 300 copies <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean if the demand's there and you're gonna make some money back then yeah yeah and i think doing a single is is good too because like you just have to pick one or two songs that you're confident with and yeah and that's it and then you're like okay i could i could sport this single for like three or four years while i sell this mad stack of vinyl i've got in my closet (laughs) (laughs) um yeah recording is is crazy i def i definitely feel like performance comes first like there's definitely something that clicked with me in performing and Mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that get stage fright and for me i would get a little nervous and you get a little antsy before you perform mm-hmm. and i i still have a little bit of that but it's not it's never been like the the damaging nerves that i've seen other people go through of like yeah just not being able to do it and just being miserable doing it mm-hmm. um I've always been like, yeah, I've worked really hard on this and I want to share it with you. And yeah, I like the possibility of it going extremely well. And and the risk is, is fun too. like trying to, you know, go into a dive bar and, and not have it go off the rails like an hour in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, you know, there's a lot of these places I'm showing up after happy hour. Yeah. <laughs> And like, and like, you know, you're trying to play, um, 
a mixture of of Rolling Stones original music, Coldplay, and like four hundred year old Irish folk tunes to people that have been drinking uh, dark liquor for four hours. <laughs> And you're just like, all right, I hope this goes well. I was like, I hope they receive it the way I hope it's received. <laughs> as much as it can be, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. You know any Tom Petty? I'm like, no, I know. <laughs> I'm literally playing everything I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you think I learned more than three hours? I didn't. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I knew, I know, sometimes I feel like I only know an hour and a half. And I was like, I don't know how I played three hours. Yeah. Like an hour and a half is where I feel comfortable. It's like, this is where I feel like I've played the the best I could play. And then, yeah. and um, that's the way I feel, but I don't think it's necessarily true. Cause like the other, cause I'll surprise myself and, and the other hours are like, I'll like, cause I had a gig the other week where I played two and a half hours and then everyone was basically going home by the time I was doing my last set and I was just playing for the cleanup crew and and a few friends were, that were there and that was like my best part of the night playing like the leftover songs mm-hmm. and just like really getting into it. Yeah. So I think, I think that, I, I think that just means I'm, performer like i think that's what i want and it it takes it took me a while to really get comfortable with the idea that i want to be the guy with the microphone on stage because it can be difficult telling people that because you don't want to sound like the annoying guy on the microphone like mm-hmm. the guy that wants all the attention it's like no yeah. i just i like the act of it sure yeah yeah about like uh what would you say like the the preparation is like I, mean, I guess it depends on like but like um the time that I like I came to your um you playing at the uh like the the smokehouse place uh what was like preparing for that like um that place I'd never been to, so I was being <laughs> I was being a little judgmental of the name. I kept making jokes about it, like, no betas. We're at the alpha pit. Open up this pit. We don't want no betas at this show. So I was like, okay, I don't know what to expect. Am I like, mm. should I learn a lot of country tunes? <laughs> should I just, like, metal or I don't know. Yeah. There's there's a part of me that that's always going to try to adapt to the room mm-hmm. the best I can, but I've. And I think people like kind of overemphasize like adapting to the room. I think yeah. people are very, very much more flexible than you think they are. And the more I'm myself, the more comfortable I get, the more comfortable everyone else gets. Yeah. Um. So a lot of times before on the way to a show, I'll just like, I'll put on something that I know really well and I'll sing to it. Or a lot of times I, I like to keep it really upbeat. Mm-hmm. And I'll like really turn it up and, and like something very like a uh, visceral, like yeah. get the body moving because it, I mean, playing for three hours, like you set up all your stuff. And by that time, like you already kind of feel like you need a breather, like loading in and right. setting up. And, mm-hmm. and so like, 
I really, I really feel like I need to act, just activate my body and then like, it'll put me at ease and more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really loosen it up. Yeah, that makes sense. When I was taking like a public speaking class in community college, they talked about like different techniques you could do for like preparing it. I think one of them was like, yeah, it's kind of like along those lines of, yeah, like, yeah, like moving your body and like, cause there's like so much energy that, or like nervous energy that can be released. And it seems like once you actually, you know, just kind of like activate that by doing something, you know, physical, it seems like it helps alleviate that. Yeah. Yeah. And there'll be like days where it's like, I don't maybe to a degree like sometimes performing is inauthentic like inherently like inauthentic because there'll be times where like uh i'll be like not having a good day and like Mm -hmm. i'll be like psyching myself out in the car trying to like be like be fun be fun (laughs) yeah like (laughs) think of a joke or something or like i'll put on comedy and try to like laugh a bit and Mm -hmm. like i mean that's usually what i do when i feel bad anyways i try to yeah try to get some laughter but um yeah i learned very quickly that you can't be like the depressed person with a microphone like like it's when you're on the microphone especially when you're playing like very local like at yeah at a restaurant people are like having dinner and you can't be like (laughs) telling them about your problems yeah Yeah. like yeah you gotta like you can make a joke about it or something like that and try to make them laugh it's um, that's something I've, as I've gotten older, is like, oh, there's, you have to have like an, an, an entertainment value to this, like mm-hmm. be an entertainer. Um, uh, and that like, I don't know, performance is just very therapeutic to me. Like the, even don't get me wrong. There's like bad nights where you're just like, oh my God, yeah. I can't believe I did that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but those don't happen very often anymore. So it's, so if I just embrace the work, like it usually, it's like, it's the best high that I know to, Mm -hmm. to really, um, do my best when I perform and, and make people feel good or like at least, um, maybe not even entertained, but just like, you know, just something different for a while, something in a lot of ways it does come off authentic. Just having a person with an instrument in a room. Mm -hmm. It's like, you don't, doesn't necessarily mean you have to like lay yourself bare for everyone to see. It's just like, I'm just a person here and I'm trying, trying my best to, um, you know, beat the radio, (laughs) like, you know, try and just competing Mm-hmm. competing with the NFL game on screen. Yeah. And uh yeah, doing my best. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, I feel like I'm still sort of finding that balance of like what my whenever I do perform, like what that what my performance is like. Cause I do feel like especially since I like I haven't been playing my instrument, I just be my been my uh vocals, it's been like a whole new like level of like vulnerability. <laughs> Yeah, because I feel like it's like I don't know what seems to the audience, but to like me, it's like oh, like there's no, there's like 
even though some of like the like recordings like are me i feel like people don't necessarily know they just like hear a backing track but i feel like the actual thing that's like put in front of people is just like my body and me like you know singing stuff so i feel like it like really strips it down i was like oh like i wonder if you like you know, are listening much more to like what i'm singing and it's like oh like what i'm singing is very personal <laughs> yeah so, yeah yeah I, yeah that is tough because i think a lot of people don't especially when you you pop up on an open mic something like it's very um uh, it's it's very easy for all of it to fall in the background and it's i don't there there is an audience there that's with you through mm -hmm. through the whole thing yeah but uh, a majority of the people aren't aren't going to like dig that deep into it it's going to be right. a passing thing for them right and, and so like it's it's rough like when you're singing to a, a track it's it you know it takes a lot of confidence to um to go that route because they're they're not going to see like um uh they're not going to like see the work that went into it mm. um getting up there as, as opposed to like seeing right. someone make making everything you're hearing in that moment but um yeah i i like the tracks like the tracks like as someone that records myself like having the tracks and tracks and like having to prep things for performances, like a different type of work mm -hmm. that I think is harder for like a general audience to like appreciate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's something that could work out really well. And I'm excited that other people are trying that or talking about playing more to backing tracks. Yeah. I think, like the speakers we have now are like so much better than like the ones I had six years ago. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just getting cheaper and better and better and better. And I think people like even people that like are hardline, like analog or acoustic are going to eventually be embracing more and more digital stuff. And I mm -hmm. think I've always wanted to incorporate like a drum machine or something into my right. live shows. And I think the technical aspect of it always uh, held me back, but it's, I think you can express more with it. If, if you, you don't know, put the work into it and, and have the practice with it, not necessarily work of work of it, but just figuring out that lane. It's much more exciting because it's mm -hmm. so new to me. Yeah. That um yeah. I think it's really cool that you're doing that. Yeah. I think it definitely puts my mind more at ease. <laughs> like to consider that people like like that I am more in the background. Like that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need you don't need to listen <laughs> to what I'm saying. Um but also, yeah, I think I as much I am eager to get back to playing an instrument. Um I there is a part of me that's like, well, if I keep on doing this, maybe it will inspire more people to consider that as an option kind of like when um it's like uh nova um sax guy uh when he was you know doing his back and track that gave me idea the idea that oh i could do that so it's like the more people who you know do it the more people up here yeah. actually be like oh that's a thing you can do cool yeah she's been doing that for a while mm -hmm. um 
Like, yeah. I think it's really important because she shows up with a sax all the time, doesn't always have someone to to jam with. So it's having the backing tracks have always been like really cool playing to those mm-hmm. live looping. I've tried some live looping, but that I've always found the block of like, oh, I don't want to. I would get like, like, um, I'd get tired of spending like a minute before the song, like showing you the song and like right. really, really getting into it after you've already heard all the layers put down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. Another thing I thought of is, is I feel like it is like, if I, if I do going forward, like want to collaborate more with people and, you know, being sort of a, more of a band capacity rather than just like me, just solo playing the instrument i feel like it does give you good practice in a way playing to a track because when you're playing along with your instrument i feel like you can really like set the tempo and like you can really sort of you know feel it out and and you don't necessarily have to like so much like keep in time um but when you're playing with a backing track like that thing's just going to keep on going yeah (laughs) so it's like you have to hit your mark or it's gone Mm -hmm. um so i feel like it's kind of you know, I would imagine it's, you know, not so different playing with other people. I mean, maybe they can, you know, vibe and feel it out, you know, with you, but I feel like, you know, to a point it's still like, they're going to be playing their thing and you want to be making sure you're in sync with what they're doing. Yeah. Playing to a tracker is like really good for timing. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I played with bands very early on and even after like years of playing with a band, um, I realized my timing wasn't that good. I just mm-hmm. had really good chemistry with the drummer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the drummer just, you know, knew what I was going to do. So yeah. it, um, we just had natural chemistry and, and like a natural rhythm to it, which is, which I think is like preferable to like a very rigid one, but it's still yeah. having like that practice of playing to a click or, or a backing track is, mm-hmm. is really good for your growth as as a musician yeah i think just rolling to sort of the last question is kind of a reoccurring question i like to ask people who i interview is uh what would you say is your personal criteria for what it means to be successful oh wow (laughs) (laughs) going in deep for the last one yeah my personal criteria for being successful um like what would it mean for you to like be successful you know it's going to look differently for everyone else but what does it mean to you like what would you be doing or like what are you what are you currently doing that makes you feel like oh you know i'm successful yeah i think i think about that a lot maybe not in those terms but um i think i think success can be a feeling of how you feel and uh and sometimes that can be like really hard for other people to like see as success. And sometimes when you kind of achieve like what, what maybe society or, or like your, you know, circle might think is successful, it doesn't feel as good mm-hmm. as it should. Um, I don't know so much of success like pertains to like work, I suppose, like, work toil sweat <laughs> blood and tears um i think 
it's always been important to me to have a very like uh rounded fulfilled life mm-hmm. um i do focus on music a lot i talk about it a lot it might sound sometimes like it's the only thing i do but having good friendships and personal relationships and family can be important too you don't necessarily need it all um mm-hmm. but i i i have felt really good about um you know just setting little goals for myself and then yeah. and then getting to them like in music playing a certain amount of nights and and uh running the open mic having like a weekly thing that that yeah. was kind of a goal for me to have like some sort of weekly thing that was like you know kept me in it every week kept mm-hmm. kept me going with it and um so yeah i've just been feeling good just yeah. i i've felt good and you know just letting let my mind be grateful for mm-hmm. what i have and what i've done and what i've what i have done and um just being open open to all the bad and the good that can come and not dwelling too much on or i mean i dwell on the bad stuff but like it doesn't it doesn't command my life you know i yeah i think just finding your definition of good and um you know flying as close to that as you can mm-hmm. as often as you can is is a success for me you know yeah i used to beat up myself for like not getting a to-do list done every day mm-hmm. or yeah or some sort of like vague list of things to do and nowadays i'm like okay i did one or two things off that list or maybe i did nothing off that list I, but i did something else that was important today and just yeah taking the baby steps every day yeah that's, that's what i said yeah be a baby be a baby <laughs> everyone says don't be a baby but i say be a baby take those little steps have those little pleasures just feel good about it yeah <laughs> Thanks again to Wyatt for joining me on the podcast. We actually recorded this conversation in person and it was like the first time uh, doing like interview, not over a video call. So yeah, pretty cool. If you enjoyed uh, the music samples that you heard, I encourage you to find his music online, find him on Facebook or give him a follow on Instagram. His handle is the Wyatt album and uh, be on the lookout uh, for his upcoming release, the rhythm of our tides. Thank you for tuning in to Mike the Mike. If you have any comments or have a suggested topic for a future episode, or if you would like to inquire about joining me on the podcast, you can email me at beckm.podcast at gmail.com, or you can direct message me on Instagram at mikethemike.fm. You can find all those addresses mentioned, as well as any related links and citations for this episode listed in the episode's description. Until next time, stay well and take care.